I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, and welcome to Off The Beaten Track podcast with me, Stu Whiffin. How you all doing? Good, good. I'm glad to hear it. That's that's decent. Um, it's another episode. There's been a few out on this series already, and if you've missed them, head over to iTunes or Acast or what other network podcasting place you go and find all your your, your stuff to listen to, and subscribe. Um, we've had some cracking guests on so far, and they've all chose great playlists and spoken about their creative journey in ethics and they've you know lots of life stories in there it's been it's been good it's been fun it's been deep it's been honest um it's and it's been fun um so when i mention the playlist i'll just give you another reminder quickly each episode uh, we do curate a, a playlist as well for spotify so um because there's all sorts of regulations around music licensing and stuff so when we can't play certain tracks on the podcast itself um we always put them on the the spotify playlist so head over there and and search off the beat and track podcast and uh, and they're all on there or alternatively if you follow us on instagram twitter or facebook we do um upload the links so uh on on all the postings we do regarding each episode so you can click straight through the spotify playlist as well so Big thanks to 76 for producing this. Big thanks to Brad Acton for all the video content that he does for this. Um, Big shout out to everybody on the Distraction Pieces Network. Big love to my homie Chris Glasson. Hardcore listening podcast is still out every Monday on the Distraction Pieces Network. Today's guest is Mr. Dan Lassac. And what a chat this was. I've known Dan a long, long time. I knew Dan before I knew Pip. Um, you know, I think a lot of Dan's early years in in, in clubbing and 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 being a being a toe rag uh, was, was was generally in events I was I was putting on. And uh, so we've 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 got a lot to talk about. And um, one of my you know lasting memories of Dan is the fact that he's got impeccable taste in music. But you guys know that because. Look at what you know. The music he's made, you know, with 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 both Pip and and on him, on, you know, on his own. Um, I'm not going to say too much more because this this conversation is one that I'm 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 really proud to to put out. So enjoy this episode of Off the Beaten Track podcast with Mr. Dan Lassac. Enjoy. <laughs> 
Sessions Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Well, we are recording. It's a nice sunny afternoon. It's not nice cool in here, though. It's, it's all right, it's isn't it? It's all right. It's all right. I was worried. I was worried. Yeah. And uh, well, you've obviously heard him already. He's kind of uh, jumped in before I even had a chance to introduce <laughs> him. Uh, it's Dan Lassac. Hello. How are you, Dan? I'm good. I'm good, mate. Like, like we said, oh, sweaty. That's big boys. I'm wearing layers as well. Oh, got, yeah. Got to stay layered. Why is that? I sweat. But do I sweat because of the layers? Or do I just normally sweat? See, I will wear a thicker shirt just because a thinner shirt will accentuate my breasts. Oh, and things okay. Things like that, I yeah. like a bit of weight to a shirt. Yeah, I do like, like structure. that. But um, I also don't want them to be too tight. I like them to be tight enough, but not... So I can't sit down, because then if I sit down, and, and it always seems to open at that bit that exposes yeah. your cleavage as well. It's that sort of second from top button. You should you should live like my dad. He now doesn't go, he doesn't button up past his sternum. Oh, really? Travolta yeah. sort of He's Saturday Night Fever. He had, a, he had heart surgery a few years ago. He's got a bit of a cow in his heart now. A uh, pig. Pig valve. He's got oh, really? a pig valve in there. Good name for a band. No. Uh, <laughs> That'd be a good metal band. <laughs> that would, it would. Yeah, pig valve in there. But so he got the big scar because they have to get right in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's that's like a medallion for him. He just rocks around. Ah, right. A few years on, he's a bit disappointed. It's not quite as pink. Right. Like it's, now it's you so can't it's purely it's for a conversation piece. Oh, what what, yeah. what happened now? Oh, in, let me tell you. In wandering around Margate talking to old ladies. <laughs> oh, what's, what's that? Oh. Have you reached? I mean, you're not you're you're not as old as me, Dan. But have you got to that point now where you find yourself when you sort of see people that you haven't seen for a while, you sort of talk about your ailments? Have you gone there yet? <laughs> not quite. Not quite. Yeah. Although you said that like it's looming. It's it's on its way because I found myself <laughs> yesterday talking about um, recently finding out I'm allergic to brie. Really? Yeah. It's apparently, because I'm allergic to penicillin. Right. And some brie, they use the mould. Of course. The penicillium mould. Right. But yeah, so, and I, I must have talked about it for about 45 minutes. The implications on my life, not being out of brie anymore, yeah. the things I'm going to miss. Yeah. And it was just like, hang on a minute. Like, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have cared. Yeah. I would have just eaten brie. Yeah. But yeah, no. I mean, I don't really want to go down a kind of... A brie rabbit hole. No, um, true. Well, but how did you find out that you was allergic to brie? Did you have like some kind of brie meltdown? I had a lot of brie. Right. <laughs> <laughs> silly. Uh, my partner was over from the States and we just ate a lot of brie and blue cheese. Right. Infusing that. Yeah. And then I was sick, headaches, I had this rash. Right. It's good. It was really sexy as well because yeah. she was only here for 10 days and two Max of those it. days I was just like scratching. Smelling a vomit. <laughs> and smelling a vomit, yeah. Good. <laughs> Good day. Right, well, it's nice to see you, Dan. I haven't seen you for... Been a couple of months. Yeah. Last time I see you was probably... Last time you come to We Are Lizards, I reckon. Mm, mm. Played some records there. Which is the last time I DJ'd. Was it? Yeah, I can fully avoid it. After. I only do it for Pip. We'll have to make a return soon then, mate. Um, right, so I've sent you over the questions in advance for your playlist. <coughs> and um, and you sent back some some decent tunes. Uh, I didn't know a couple, and the first one being one of those. You had never heard that? No, oh, I haven't. Nice. So I asked you to, to, to start your playlist. Obviously, as I've mentioned in the intro, this playlist is available on Spotify. Just go and uh, search Off The Beat and Track Podcast, Dan Lassac. You can find it. I'll put it in all the social media 
um, postings and all that anyway. Um, so track one, Dan, the song with the greatest intro. Yeah, so I, it was impossible. It's impossible to choose this. Right. There's so many songs because you've got your big riffy songs yep. like your Death Tones or Dire Straits. Yep. They're yep. in the same category. Or, I don't know, like there's this song by um, New Eurekan Soul, Black Gold of the Sun. Right. This piano riff is just perfect. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. So, as I couldn't decide, I chose a song with an actual introduction yeah. of a man introducing himself. So, Tiny Tim, uh, Living in the Moonlight, Dancing in the... Living, Living in the, in the sunlight. sunlight, dancing in the moonlight. Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim. And have you, have you seen what Tiny Tim looks like? I, I've avoided it my entire in my entire days. I've got like uh, I got like an EP of that and um, tiptoe through the tulips with me and stuff. But I never want to know. I've I've resisted looking him up on Wikipedia. How how did you find that? Uh, weird. A kid years ago did an animation for it. Like right. a proper... Because it's a really old song, right? Really old, yeah. 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 But he did, um, this is maybe like 15 years ago, a lad just doing cool animated videos and stuff. But yeah, it was really psychedelic, kind of uh, Beatles, Yellow Submarine style mm -hmm. thing. And he just did it to that. And I was like, that's amazing. But mm. what's better is that song, you know? So yeah, but it was one of those, as soon as I heard his voice, I was like, I don't want to see him. I don't want his face to ruin his... Oh, it will. It will. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it could... If it... Yeah, no. I just didn't want him to ruin it. Well, yeah, I would definitely suggest people do head over to Spotify and check this out. Because he's, he's pretty bizarre, isn't it? It's a really odd song. But it's got that weird... It's an odd song, but it's clearly not someone deliberately trying to be odd. Yeah. This is a man who likes his ukulele, yeah. and, but then someone paid him to have a full band. He's quite excited about introducing this. Oh, he's very happy yeah. for his first album. Yeah. But I actually kind of like that. Like, bands don't really talk to the audience on right. the record. You know, yeah. you've got this opportunity to say hello, but you never actually say hello. Nah. Because people would think it was weird if you opened the album with, all right, <laughs> Dan and Dave, uh, thanks for buying the album. <laughs> but, like, you got this, you got... I'd quite like that. It would be nice, wouldn't yeah. it? Like, it's it's kind of... Yeah, I think that would be a, a, a really nice... Why don't people do that? It's, I, I just don't get it. I, I feel like you've got that chance. I've tried to convince Dave. <laughs> you know, I've tried to convince him. Sorry, audience, Pip. I've tried to convince Pip. And, uh, yeah, no, wouldn't have it. Although, on one album, he does interview himself at the start of a song, which is weird. Yeah. It's just weird. Like, you won't say hello to the audience, but you'll interview himself doing two voices. Weird boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, so, as a, as a DJ and, yeah. a, and a... What are you? Are you a songwriter or are you a musician? What would you say you are? Uh... Or a producer. That's the one a producer. people go with, yeah. Because okay. it's all electronic. Yeah. They mostly go for a producer. Okay, we'll go with that. So as a DJ and a producer, yeah. the intro's pretty important, right? It is. It's usually important, but it's really hard as mm. well. Because, like like I was saying, like, all right, so I wrote a little list of just amazing intros. Red all right, so you, you, let's, we've got some other considerations yeah. that you had here from So, Redman <coughs> smashed something. Yeah, oh, mate. That big, it's just ridiculous yeah. way You to used start to start from. your DJ set with that, didn't you? Yeah. When you, yeah. you came to Rayleigh and you opened my Club XFM yeah. and you started with that we track that, that night. 
Yeah. But it's because it's one of those things. There's always songs that cross over that the indie kids will like as well. As, yeah, 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 yeah. So you've got stuff like that. But then, like I said, Deftones, My Own Summer Shove It. Oh. You used to DJ that. I did, I did, I did. You know? So you've got those big intros, but then you've got the weird stuff. Like there's this, have you ever heard of Aphrodite's Child? I haven't, no. Right. You've heard of Demis Roussos. Of course. And you've heard of Vangelis. Yeah. Demis Roussos and Vangelis back in the day used to have a psych rock band together. Really? Yeah, they were in a band together, which still blows my mind. But um, they've got this track called Four Horsemen. And the intro, two minutes, are just psychedelic nonce, essentially. Just them wigging out and being, we're weird, check us out, we're weird. And then bang on the two minute mark. I think the drummer got bored because he just goes doo, 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 massive drum break and it's just like okay we're in we're in the song now <laughs> <laughs> but I, that drum break's great yeah but I, I guarantee if it was the start of the song it would be nice oh, good drums that yeah but after two minutes of Demis Roussos and Vangelis and boys noodling away it's, it's really like, weird thank fuck we're in we've got the song now well I watched um, have you watched that documentary about the 808 Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I thought that was quite interesting that of all the people I, I didn't expect to see on there one of which was Phil Collins mm-hmm. when he was saying like and he's a drummer yeah like when he was saying like you can't get a drummer just to play a 4-4 like, yeah, you, yeah. You, you, you know after a certain amount of time they just want to put a role in it and, yeah. and that's why he used the 808 on yeah whatever tracks it was he, he used it on, uh, just purely because it done what it was told, which mm. drummers generally can't do. Like, yeah. So that album, what's that? That's No Jacket Required. It was it? One More Night. I'm yeah, sure yeah, it was yeah. that track that's got like, just that little 808 um, <laughs> beat behind it. It was it was quite bizarre just sort of seeing like Kraftwerk and the Beasties and like, and, all, and then just sort of a sudden it <laughs> pans to Phil. classic Collins. He didn't use it on Lion King though, did he? No, he didn't. No balls. <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, look, let's go on to, to track two because, um, yeah, I think this is this is, um, this is quite interesting. Um, so the, the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? Yeah. So, uh, Joy Division. Is it the Joy Division? Yeah. yeah. Joy Division. New Dawn Fates. Uh-huh. So, I don't. What it is, I don't know what it is. My I've got a cousin who's into music. Yeah. He made music. He like been in bands. He's like, but he's 10 years older than me. So, like, as a kid, he was just like Rick Mail, like a chunky Rick Mail running yeah. around being alone and dangling us by our feet. And it wasn't until I was like 13, 14, and I'd started sort of getting into music a bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd, somehow I liked Squeeze, even though that, mm-hmm. they were 10 years before. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just remember, like, he had a little studio in his, his garden, and he was just, listening to like much like this is studio uh-huh. like the whiffing and he, he had joy division on and uh i actually got emotional because i saw how emotional it made him and it was this weird connection like this emotion was in what happy sad somber like for me that it's, it's somber yeah like it was weighty because he was a comedian to me no, he's still alive i saw something that yeah. sounds like he's dead <laughs> yeah. he, he was you know, but yeah, he was like a comedian. He was the the funny member of the family, like the the one I actually wanted as a brother. Cause yeah, my brother's a fairly shit. Um, yeah, average at best. Yeah, average at best. But um, everyone's got a cool cousin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
only because you don't have to live with him. Exactly. But, um, and yeah, just seeing that emotional response from him, and then it made me listen, because I, I couldn't grasp it at first. And then you hear Ian Curtis's voice, and it was the first, like, rock voice that conveyed actual emotion. And how old were you then? 13, 14? 13, 14, yeah. I mean, that's... That's, that's, as you said that you used the word weighty earlier, it's weighty music, isn't it? Yeah. For, for a yeah. young lad to, to yeah. have to digest. And like Ian Curtis' voice, you can feel it. You can yeah. like, you, well, there's there's a bit in um, Atmosphere, obviously, which is a well-known track, but his voice cracks. You know? Yeah. And you know that that moment when he was singing it, he felt what he was saying. Yeah. And, uh, and then I just dived in and it was that, that thing of like the whole Joy Division then into Factory Records and, and the, do you think that sort of pricked your interest in electronic music at that point? Yeah, definitely. But because like it was this thing, like Factory Records as a, as a whole had a huge impact because it wasn't just this one label doing this one sound. Mm-hmm. Like you got in there, and then obviously because it was years on from them existing, you got in there, and then you found Norder, obviously. But then like Dirty Column, so ratio, yeah. A certain ratio, yeah. doing essentially doing Northern Soul covers, but yeah, in a in a calypso style, yeah. And it was like, okay, so music doesn't have to be this one thing, yeah. And it just, yeah. And I think I had I convinced my parents to buy me a little, uh, buy me an Atari ST. We bought that off their mate Colin. I can't remember why. Oh, they'd bought their kid a SNES. So we were buying their Atari ST and a little MIDI box, and I could I just started making from then. And because I didn't, I wasn't playing a guitar, and I wasn't trying to learn the latest uh, Lush riff. Yeah. I don't know why I chose Lush. Yeah, I don't I, know why you chose I looked Lush. at you and thought, I bet he liked you'll Lush. remember Lush. <laughs> <laughs> He's but old yeah, enough. So it was that thing, and it, like, Maybe there was music before that that I had an emotional response to, but that's the one I remember. Yeah. Because that's the one that made me want to make music. Yeah. You know, that and really, for years, sort of made me search out music that not... I was never trying to be cool. I was never like, oh, well, I listen to this. Yeah. It was just like, I wanted to find emotion. There. Well, to, to this day, I still... Um, <coughs> It's never left my record box. Is uh, the copy of the Best of Joy Division, which you lent me, which I've never given back. <laughs> never given back. Uh, and you probably lent that to me in ninety three, maybe. It, which was a, a copy that I had borrowed off my cousin Billy, and then I replaced. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't having it back. Uh, but um, but I've got to be honest. As much as. Already at that point, I, I loved my new order and, I, you know, mm. and I'd, I'd done my, my, my time with Depeche Mode and all the mute stuff. Yeah. I'd never really got into Joy Division. And it was you lending me that yeah. that completely opened the, you know, opened me up to the world of Joy Division, which, you know, and they're, they're one of the dearest bands to, to my heart mm. to this day. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so you're not having it back. No, it's <laughs> done. <Stop. laughs> uh, so... Aside from your cousin, like sort of growing up, where was you born, Dan? Born in Braintree. Okay. But uh, we literally, like six months after I was born, we went to Zimbabwe for like four years. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, lived in out there. My dad was working for some company, tractor company, and he was doing, he's a mechanic by yep. trade, so he was repairing them. 
But the company were the first people to bring a combine harvester onto the continent of Africa. Right. Which he's very proud of. Yeah. He had nothing to do with that. Is he, he as proud of that as he is of his scar? Pretty much, yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we were there for like four years, then Robert Mugabe was all like, oh, yeah. you lot, yeah. bugger off. Yeah. I think he might have said it harsher than that, yeah. but essentially. So was... then we were back in Perfleet, and right. then eventually Stanford, and then Corringham's kind of the... By the by, the back in Corringham by the time I was like eight. So, I mean, for people that aren't that familiar with the, the towns in Essex... So if you've heard if you've heard the pip one of this, yeah. If you haven't, it will be on Acast. I assume. Look at that. Look at that. I did a little bit of promo. (laughs) But yeah, if you've heard the Scroobius pip one, he lives in Stamford, and then there's a town that's just kissing Stamford. It's like a slightly posher. It's, cl- it's just cleaner Stamford. Yeah. It's just, that's all it is. Yeah. It's just slightly newer. Yeah. It's like an extension of Stamford, but they didn't like the name. Yeah. But Stamford La Hope. Yeah. It's way better than Corringham. Yeah. But, <clears throat> yeah, they're right next to each other. So, we're, what, 10 minutes from Basildon? Yeah. 10 minutes from Grace? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I guess that's kind of how we all know each other. Um, so, growing up, obviously, when you got back from... We all know each other because of you. Yeah. Like everyone, there's like many people in Essex who know each other because of you. You think so? Yeah, because of the bullseye, because of doing stuff at the uh, Pink Toothbrush. Like there's loads of connections that yeah. people have yeah. that come through those places. Yeah, it's, I guess so. Because there was like the bullseye, when you grow up in Corium, there was nowhere to go. I want to get onto this later. All right. We'll wind, I'll wind my neck in. Yeah. Got a little bit too carried away. After a little bit of promo then, you started <laughs> yeah, yeah. taking over then, didn't you? <laughs> Um, but yeah, when you was growing up, was there music on at home? A little, not a huge amount. Mum, mum like Kate Bush, right? Bob Dylan, that's decent. Yeah, and a Meatloaf, right? Mm. Weirdly, the one that I still go back to now and again, Meatloaf. <laughs> really? <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know why. That album, the Battle of Hell album. I don't know why, but like, it's just it's a weird record. To like, it's very. So cheesy, yeah, and so rock and roll. It's got all the right bits in the right places. It ticks all the boxes yeah. for for a big brash kind of cheese ball rock and but, roll record, right? But it has no need to be nearly as complex as it is. Yeah. You've got to listen to Back Out of Hell and Back Out of Hell, and it's like, yeah. why? Have, all right, why have you gone to that piano now? Why? Yeah. Are we, why are we off on this? Like yeah. it goes all over the place, and it's just one of those records that I don't. I don't like it, but I clearly do. Yeah. Just, I think I just find it really interesting that yeah. something like that out of hell can exist in yeah. this world and be stupidly popular. Yeah, people love that shit. Yeah, insane. Like, insane. It's, well, I imagine it's one of the biggest selling albums of all time. It's got to be up there. Yeah. yeah. It's wasted on me. I, I never got it. I never got it. I think like I can see why people like it, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, it never sort of ticked the boxes. It's me. like it's like the almost like a uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show, like completely a, like a stage show. Yeah, because he's got revving motorbikes in there. It's theatrical as fuck. So right? theatrical, and I think as well that because Meatloaf turned out to be cool, mm-hmm. being in those movies yep. and that their stuff, and he's a funny bloke. It probably helps a little. Yeah, it's probably like that. His personality, he's not. He's not Rick Wakeman. Yeah. You know. He's not taking himself too seriously, is he? At all. Yeah. 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 
Okay. Right. Um, so I'm going to ask you for your track three now, uh, which is a song that um, reminds you of your, your time at school. So I imagine looking at your choice, you've chose secondary school. Secondary school, yeah. Right. Okay. <coughs> so, track uh, that reminds me of my school days, Nightcrawlers push the feeling on. Okay. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it passionately. When you, when you sent that over, I thought, well, that's shit. That is awful. It's just, you know what? It was like... I wasn't. I didn't really fit in at school. Right. Okay. Why was I, that? I, just, I was loud. I was. I don't know what it was. I don't. I was quite troubled as a kid. There was stuff. There was stuff that's not not podcast material. Sure. 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 Uh, unless you want tears, I don't know. But yeah, there's there's some stuff when I was little that was bad. Yep. Nasty, nasty stuff. And then, like, then as I grew older, there was stuff externally, like my parents were. They, you know, there was smashed glass and all that sort of yep. upbringing. So, definitely by the time I got to secondary school, I was a bit troubled. I was a little, I was, but I had this big shield of humour. So, I'd run around being the funny kid. Yeah. But I didn't have any friends. So, I'd sort of, everyone knew me, but there was no one who was like, you should come back to mine after school. Yeah, sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had that thing. And then I would sort of got into music and I'd started to make friends. But for some reason, all the music-y friends I liked, liked that song. And I despised it. And it was like this moment where I was like, I have to pretend to like this. And it was this first moment where I was like, oh, fuck, I have to pretend to like things I don't if I want to keep these people sweet. Yeah. It sucks. So yeah, and the guy who wrote it looks a bit like a fat Peter Stringfellow, which always made me uncomfortable. <laughs> I've never seen the fella that wrote it. I think it's him in the video. He's the one lip syncing the bit that's clearly not sung. Yeah, but yeah, it's that saxophone as well. Ugh. But yeah, it reminds me of that. Yeah, that's a tragic record. Um, <laughs> and so at this point, like, I guess you've got all, all your friends in the kind of trendy clothes that are, are, are listening to this, and you're trying to explain to them that um, they should listen to Atmosphere by Joy Division. Pretty much. <laughs> Fuck it. Pretty much. Hey. That's probably why you was out on a limb on your own, Dan. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I do. I remember it. I remember, like, I, I remember there's a, I remember there was a girl who was always really nice to me. It was always, like, really friendly. Um, a girl called Tatum Oaks. Um, She's married to one of my dear friends. To Quinny. Yeah. Yeah. So, but she was just a lovely person. But she was a lovely person because she had life yeah. already. She'd had some medical stuff as yeah. a kid and all that. So she'd had to deal with shit. So yeah. she wasn't walking around like a dick, Yeah, basically. And I do remember like talking to her and she's telling me about Orbital Chime. Yeah. Because it was, it was only a couple of years that had been yeah. out. And there's me like, I'm making a mental note of it. When I heard it, finally, it was like, oh, fuck that, he's amazing. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like trying to see, how do I crowbar Lovell Terrace apart into this conversation? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But yeah, no, it was a weird one. I remember that. We were standing, like the school, I was at Gable Hall. Yeah. So right, there's a little walkway next to the, the hall. That's the school in Stamford for people. That's the school in Yeah. And yeah, we were standing there. I, don't know, I think it was like lunch break or whatever. But yeah, it was a really, it's a weird thing to remember. Yeah. I also remember at school, me and this kid, Chris Harding, doing covers of like, 
the entertainer and stuff in assembly, yeah, um, two piano dueling entertainer, yeah. and then straight it's becoming more and more apparent why you didn't have friends at school, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> but then straight after us, uh, Alistair Brown, Yilla, yep. So another Essex musician. Yep. Uh, him and his mates did um, one by Metallica. Amazing. But without drums. <laughs> so it, was like, it was like really heavy. They were doing all the riffs. Oh, no, it might have been Nothing Else Matters, actually. No, it's Nothing Else Matters. Right. And they're going for it. So it's all lovely, then it's heavy. Yeah. But no drums. Brilliant. It's good memory. Brilliant. But yeah, I was a difficult kid. So admit. you didn't feel a sort of connection to the people that you was growing up with in Stanford? No, no, not really. It wasn't, like I say, it wasn't until I was like 16 and started coming to the bullseye that Mm -hmm. I was kind of a bit more, I found a few people that I uh, connected with musically or socially, even though some of them turned out to be utter knobs, but when you're 16, you know, they're always going to be knobs. Yeah. Well, my, my my first memory of you was, as you described yourself at school, you was the funny guy that was super confident, mm. and, uh, and 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 it was weird. And I've said it, and I've probably said it to you several times. I've, I've said it to Pip many times. Like so many people I knew, I, I shouldn't say so many because that, that doesn't sound good. But it's like oh, he's just a knob. And like, yeah, but yeah. I always liked you. I, I never ever yeah. had an issue with you. I never I couldn't I couldn't really understand why people would get, like, annoyed with you. Mm. And I just thought, he's just fucking around. That's yeah. kind of... And obviously, you used to come watch my band, which was yeah. generally people fucking around. So, yeah. I... Uh, yeah, I, I, I... The way you described yourself was, was my early impressions of you. was like you were super confident, mm. like, to, to the outside. You yeah. Know, I, don't, you know, I think a bit of that confidence is, like, having older brothers and trying yeah. to get, get a word in entries, but also that thing of just being a bit... It was easier to be diff- attack than defend. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah, I definitely was a knob, though. I definitely like. Yeah. Who probably, isn't at sixteen? I know, I know. Like, I think back as a sixteen-year-old, I was, I was loud. I was overly offensive when I really didn't need to be. Yeah. And I told so much bullshit. Yeah. So like, if I was talking, I was probably lying. So kind of fucking. Why was that? I don't know. I think I think maybe because I didn't have any like experience, and then being at kind of the bullseye, and you're meeting people who are twenty. For people that are wondering what you're talking about, <laughs> we, we will get onto it in, in a, well, probably with the next. Sort of we'll talk about it more. But when we talk bullseye. about the clubbing, but it was it was just a, a, a tiny little room above a pub where I used to sort basically of yeah. play some music. Yeah, yeah. You and Steve Blackman. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, Muff Diver. Yeah, greatest DJ <laughs> name ever. <laughs> I'm sure he's probably got that tattooed as well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was that that thing you you uh, when you're 16, you want to make a dent, you want to make an impression, uh-huh. and you hear people who are older than you, they've got life stories and all that. So you want to get in. Yeah. You know, you want, so yeah, but you always get found out. Yeah. You always get caught out by that bullshit. So. But it's weird that you fronted whatever you you know wanted to be portrayed. You know, as, as being fun and, and, and being outgoing and confident and that. Whereas, in theory, I think the thing that everyone probably would have been really, really impressed with was the fact that he was making music already. Yeah. Which is like, yeah. you know, which my early memories of you, I, I can never recall you talking about making music and stuff I, like yeah, that. Yeah, rarely talked about it. Yeah. I did, like, there was, um, there was, I did some 
little beats and stuff for uh, Dickhead Matt. Yep. With the little dreads. Yep. Was that, was that his name? Uh, <laughs> the, definitely Matt. It was definitely Matt. I yeah. don't think the dickhead was cut. <laughs> and then there's this kid, uh, Richard Goldspink, who I'd gone to school with, who was in. He was really into Radiohead, and he had a bass, and I had a guitar, and we did some stuff. But it was also self-indulgent, I suppose. Well, yeah. We were all learning so much yeah. that no one wanted to show anyone. Not, yeah. None of us wanted to form a band and like yeah. stand on a stage because that was like, oh, that would be real then. Yeah. You know, so, but yeah, no, I'd, I think I first started making beats when I was like 15. Like, I did one. My school did a production of Blood Brothers. Right. And the teacher decided to put a rap in it. Right. In, into Blood Brothers, the stage musical. But they didn't use any of the other songs from Blood Brothers. I think they used one, and I think Tatum sung it. But they put a rap in it. And I wrote the, the beat for the rap for them. And the Julian Pianos? And the Julian Pianos. <laughs> 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 he entertained the Julian Pianos. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't play very well. I was just like, is this the black, can I hit the black keys? They're the best ones. Yeah, but you must have had peace of mind thinking, like, however shit this is, <laughs> my mate's about to go up and play Nothing Else Matters uh, without a drum uh, kit. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Mm. So, look, before we get on to clubbing, Dan, um, I've asked you what the first record you, you, you ever bought was. Mm. Not far from here, I bought it as well. Oh, okay. So, Grey's Woolworths. Right, nice. Bargain bin. Cool. I was like eight what was years... It, what was it doing in there? Because it was about four years after it came out. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, Madness, Wings of a Dove. Solid. Like, I just, I was a kid. And, uh, How old? So I must have been eight. Okay. And I, I, it was 25p. I remember because my Auntie Sharon questioned the value of Mandus at yeah. 25p. Uh, I stuck to my guns and yeah. I used my 25 pence that I had with the big five p's. You remember course, them? Of course. Went in my day, a 50 <laughs> piece weighed three tons. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and it was, Matt, it was, I don't even remember what was on the other side. It was like battered. It'd been in that. Must have been in that bargain bin yeah. for three years. So was that? Did you did you just buy it on the? I'm trying to remember the cover. I don't know if the cover is Chaz Smash dressed as like a like a kind of ship's captain. I'm trying to remember. No, it's, it's pilots. Yes, of course it, was, it is. Uh, them course as, it is. as pilots. But um, so I'm thinking of Uncle Sam. Mm. Well, uh, mm. It was yes, it was them as pilots. But literally, I heard it on the radio and. Um, on, just on the way to Grace, we were going to Grace. I don't know why. Why, yeah. why does anyone go to any town centre? It's just. I think my mum might have been working in the Halifax there at the time, okay. or whatever Midland. She worked in a few banks, but yeah. So we were left to our devices. The the cousins and nephews were all just causing havoc in Woolworths, and I dug through and found it. But did, I mean, the thing is with madness. I think it, it's such a good entry point to music, like for. for for you know, solid, good music. I, I you yeah. know, I, I rate Madness a lot, and I think they're very underrated as a serious band. Um, you know, I think lyrically they're brilliant, and I think you know, the, 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 I just really like the, the fact that they they write music that it's like stories, and I like that. Yeah. I like being able to picture songs, and uh, and and for me as a kid as well. I know I'm, I'm older than you, Dan, but like Madness videos were fun. 
Yeah, they and, were. Like, and it was like well, the video for Wings of a Dove. Yeah. it's got like a minute at the start of it. Um, I can't remember which one, but doing an interview. Yeah, I'm sure he's doing it. I might might have even been doing it with a banana, and he's yeah. just asking people, yeah. "Have you heard of madness?" Yeah, and it's silly and all that. And then suddenly they're all in a plane. There's yeah. the bigger. Is it there's the steel drums and yeah. stuff? Everyone, the gospel choir, yeah. are all on this plane going yeah. to wherever. Yeah, and we uh, said thing madness. It was, and they don't forget. They reverse a car out the back of the plane. <laughs> I forgot. There's a car on a parachute that comes out the back of a plane. <laughs> <laughs> but it's that thing, right? That, that, the whole madness got because they had a couple of sillier songs. They got blanky with that. But yeah, so it's your you're a silly band. Yeah. But they were always silly. But they were also like, uh, what? My girl's mad at me. Yeah, it's a really sad song. Really sad, you know. They they still wrote strong embarrassment. Songs. Wrote, yeah, you know that's uh, yeah. That, I mean that, that that tackled a very serious subject at that time. Mm. You know, and this is around the time that they were getting a lot of right wing extremists at their gigs. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, like skinheads and stuff like that. And they write a song, you know, about mixed marriage and stuff is phenomenal. Like, mm. uh, yeah, got a lot of time for them. But that's the thing. They they're not horrible people. They're writing songs that they clearly love. Mm. It's something about the eighties that allowed madness to exist in in a vacuum. Because mm. you had you had Scar, obviously, but yeah. Madness could stand there and be something. But different. Madness is only really the first album that had sort of Scar tunes on it. After that, yeah, you know, they well, you listen to Wings of a Dove. Yeah, that's exactly. Just, that's a group of people saying, "I like gospel choirs. Can we get a gospel?" You know, and they obviously liked pop music because mm. all of their songs were. You know, had ridden with hooks and and, and yeah. big choruses. I think just in general, because because maybe without the internet, those things can stand alone. Uh-huh. Like right now, if you write something quirky and it's popular, within days everyone's heard it and they can say, "Well, that that sort of Kate Bush-esque yeah. female vocal is a marketable thing." So yeah. let's create that. So. It's it's interesting. It's not. I'm not saying it's better music. I'm not. But it's just that thing of they add a little bit more air to breathe. Don't know. I have always had a lot of a lot of. I don't know. I just find it fascinating, like how it, the internet and stuff changed, the amount of music we get, but also the amount of the same music we get. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, so. We can now start, sort of start talking about going out, and uh, and so I asked you to pick the song that soundtrack your clubbing years. Mm. What'd you go for, Dan? So I went for um, Vitalik, mm-hmm. um, La Rock. Mm-hmm. I won, but it's weird because now we're talking. I feel like I've kicked, missed five years no but that's cool clubbing. because I'm sure all of, the, of them clubs you're going to mention are probably the ones that, that Pips spoke about and, and true true yeah because actually yeah because it would have been I would have mentioned the Bullseye I would have mentioned the Brush I would yeah. have mentioned like Labyrinth in North London mm-hmm. and all that so Vitalik was like when I was in Reading and uh, we were you moved to Reading when when you was what university um, yeah so 19 I think I think yeah, because I fucked up college. I went to Palmer's for a year uh-huh. and just fucked around and tried to kiss girls. And then I went to Basildon. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. College, obviously different quality of girls. Got on, did me any levels. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Basil. <Benjamin. laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, went out with one of those girls for years. No. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, so... Uh, yeah, this is by the time I'd gone to Reading and I'd started DJing at that point. And, um, but all my mates were DJing, just obvious. Where was this in Reading? Fez Club? And... Fez Club, uh, Alley Cat Studios, which shut like the, within months of me getting there. Obviously, it couldn't cope. It couldn't cope. Sure. Yeah, you had Fez Club, which is no longer with us. Um, and, uh, what was it called? So, the Purple Turtle, mm-hmm. which obviously there's a few of them around, but Purple Turtle Basement used to do DJ stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And it was the first place I ever DJed to people. Right. But, yeah, everyone, all my mates were playing fairly sort of run-of-the-mill, housey stuff that everyone... Nightcrawlers. Nightcrawlers. <laughs> the Nightcrawlers equivalent of mm. the day. Yeah. I don't know what it was. I just got more and more attracted to... The harder sort of techno stuff that because that track Vitalik that that's, that's not that's not a mainstream house at all you know no. that's it's, it's got a dark and I, I was gentle on you there was right. a, there was one that was just I, as I as I wrote I was there's a track called by Umec okay Gatex and I don't even think it's got drums in it I, I think it's just techno noise right for four minutes there might be a drum in there somewhere but I just thought that's probably not not something Stu's going to feel all right with. <laughs> no, it's, it's not, we don't need him to go there. But um, it was this thing that I, I suddenly realised that 
hang on, I get an hour to play records. Yep. As long as I guide them to where I want to take them, mm-hmm. I can play whatever I like. Completely. So I have to give them every three to five songs something they know. Yep. But how I get from those those points, do whatever I like. Yeah. And, but um, that's, that's what a DJ should do, right? Introduce yeah. people to some, some things they might not have heard. Yeah. But you, you kind of... You sweeten the the, the, mm. the pill a little bit by by giving them something they do know to, yeah. to digest with it. So the label that was on was uh, International DJ Gigolos, and obviously they did Fisher Spooner, which yep. they had a big record. Emerge was was a, a massive huge, tune, wasn't it? And, and what was the scene called? Electro Clash, wasn't it? That was going to be the, Clash. the future was. of music. No way! I, I I was thinking about that the other day because I kept saying it was electro, and I was like, no, I had another word. And yeah, electro clash. And w- w- was it right in saying that they reckon that Fisher Spooner got signed for like something ridiculous, it was, wasn't it? The, so the album had been out and released and all that, and then Ministry of Sound signed them mm. for a million. Right. So, and then it was no one give yeah no one listened after that yeah because it's been out yeah but like sunglasses at night that yeah. Tigger and Savincius well. Savincius, I can't say his name, but was, yeah, yeah and, T- and Tiger, right? And Tiger, yeah. yeah. That obviously that first came out on Gigolo, and it was like then I started delving into that that label, and it was like there's some weird shit here because this is that that's like really hard and dark, but yeah. it's evolving. It's not just like tribal drums, you know. It's a, a big evolving thing. Whereas there were also stuff where they'd do like a house track, but then it would just be a guy playing. Like jazz vibes, yeah. <laughs> and it, but it was odds, and it just again, it was another point at which I realised that you can make it your own. Yeah. As long as, as long as whatever you make, like like a Dan and Pip track, none of you listen to Thou Shalt Always Kill. None of that is was what was popular. That weird synth and the drums are badly recorded and all that. But yeah, that, that when that record come out. Like I was like, it's that bloke with a beard from round the corner, and and Dan, and Dan, and like, and it didn't sound like anything else that was but coming that, out there. Yeah, it was that thing of like, there's, there's a four four beat there, and there's a, an evolving synth. So that's what every house track is. Yeah, you know, you uh, listen to Josh Wink High States. Mm-hmm. That's a break beat and a synth that just evolves over time. Yeah, that's all Thou Shout does. It's got a bit more of a song structure to it, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it was that thing of like started hearing musicians applying ideas I'd picked up from say rock or whatever, and not I don't mean like the sound, I mean the actual like structures yeah, and of interplay of things, and just applying that to whatever genre they liked. And it was like, why am I not doing that? The reason why like Dan and Pip doesn't happen until I was like twenty seven is because it took me that long to learn what I wanted from it. You know, what I wanted to make musically. Like, I'd released little bits on MySpace and all that before then. But, you know, it wasn't until that point, it just so happened that Pip was ready and he had things written. And I had started actually finding a sound that reflected what I wanted to make. Mm -hmm. And neither of us actually were aiming to do anything with it. It was just a thing. Oh, oh, have you got a beat? I'll I'll rap on it. And then it was like, that's good. It took us six months after Thou Shout to decide to actually be a band. Yeah. You know, it took us a, nearly a year to get the next song out. <laughs> it was funny. No rush. <clears throat> All right, well, um, 
I mean, what are you, you, you? I mean, obviously, we're we're all old as fuck and uh, and beyond clubbing. But um, <laughs> but what was it that you wanted from clubbing when you went out? Like, you know, you know what? <laughs> Sounds horrible. I, I just wanted to be left alone. <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. I would I, I would go to clubs and uh, I would I'd be the moody bloke. Sort of at the edge of the dance floor, but I wasn't there like prowling. I wasn't trying to yeah. get at girls or whatever. I just found it fascinating. This weird tribal thing of all these people, like, that's. I've never been to a club that hasn't been racially diverse, sure. first of all. So you're men, women of all races, all being controlled essentially by this DJ. And that weird tide, you know, like, you know, if you go on after destruction, uh, we are lizards, mm-hmm. the tide rolling out as you play yeah. your first song. <laughs> yeah. but, just, but there's, there's like this weird social thing that goes on, like the way people react. And you know what? If the DJ plays a bad song, but the, the attractive woman's still dancing or the hot guy's still yeah. dancing... Everyone else stays on the dance floor. Yeah. No matter how bad that song is. Yeah. You can play the theme tune to Golden Girls. Yeah. And if the hot girl stays dancing, they stay dancing. How did that go? Thank you for, for being, being a friend. friend. It's good, that. It's a great Travel song. Travel up the road and back again. I used to really like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might drop that on Friday. Um, <clears throat> okay, so uh, bringing it back from Reading to, to, to Essex. So when I say your, your hometown, I'm, I'm, I guess we're in County. So... Um, I asked you to pick your favourite song from an artist from your your hometown. Uh, yeah, I went with uh, Depeche Mode, Condemnation. Okay. Just, I couldn't, it had to be Depeche Mode for me. Right. Because they were like, I remember seeing them in Basildon. They were that band that, you know, I remember being like five in Basildon with my cousin Billy. Mm-hmm. And my cousin Billy going, to me, this little kid, yeah. stay gone. Yeah. And you just see him walking through the Eastgate Centre. Yeah. You know, and it being like, this, I didn't understand celebrity and that. Yeah. But, yeah, so it was, as I grew up, <clears> it was kind of, they had that weird mythology around them uh-huh. that only can happen in your town. You know, They were the ultimate boys done good, right? Oh, what was that? Madison Square Garden. What At the time... Pasadena like, Bowl 101. Pasadena Bowl. Yeah. But they were the third, third fastest band in the world to sell out Pasadena... Um, Madison Square Garden yeah. and stuff. I think but, last year they still sold out the most arenas in America or in something America. like that. On some, I mean, it, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And that Mode 101 do- documentary was just phenomenal. ridiculously long, though. Yeah. But it's following that tour. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, still those lads yeah. from, from Basildon. It's when he talks about <laughs> kicking the taxi driver. <laughs> and like, and you just think, you can take the boy out of Basildon, but he's but still talking can- about getting a, getting like stressed and kicking some Larry taxi driver and he just instantly becomes Dave from Basildon. Exactly. Like, he's not exactly. Dave Garn, like, you know, rock superstar. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So, if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and 
search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up and get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. It's that thing with them as well was like, I really never understood. It was weird with them because I obviously listened to them. They, I don't know many people who grew up in Essex between 80 and 2000 who didn't really hear sure. mode records, whether it was your older brother yeah. or your dad or whoever yeah. pushing it onto you. Um, but like, there was all that emotion in there. But I never understood, because I knew Dave Kahn sung, but it was always Martin Gore that wrote the song. How can he sing with such passion something that someone Somebody else has else written? Wrote. It's crazy, isn't it? But I realised it was the fact that Martin's doing essentially what Pip does. Mm-hmm. He's taking stories that he's heard and, and enhancing them and taking them to the fruition, like the almost cinematic ending sure. of what that story should be. But then you sort of twig after a while that they're the stories Dave Garn's telling him. So Dave Garn's confiding himself into his friend and then his friend's creating this this narrative around what he's told him. And it always fascinated me. And Condonation's definitely one of those. Walking in my shoes, behind the wheel, all of those, they all have that... Blasphemous rumours. Blasphemous rumours. Right. Um... You you mentioned walking in my shoes and condemnation here, so it's interesting that you've you, both them tracks from songs of faith and devotion. Yeah, um, which most people will cite if they had spoke about their their favourite mode album. Generally, without being a, a, a snobby wanker, most people will say violate or music for the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, mine's songs of faith and devotion. Mine is too. I, um, uh, I, I, I think they. Uh, you know, as you know, that they're, they're a massive band for me. I adore mm. that band. And uh, but faith and De- uh, devotion for me, seeing him on that tour as well was, yeah. I guess he was enjoying himself a lot. Dave gone at that point, <laughs> and he, you know, he he'd gone from this kind of guy with his slick quiff and you know and, and black leather jacket to long hair, tattoos, white vest, and yeah. and rocking a fucking stage yeah. like and if you ever see the oh what's the tour called devotional tour mm-hmm. like it, it's phenomenal and yeah. like he's I, I would say one of the greatest frontmen ever I, I think he's uh, and have you the uh, Songs of Faith and Nation live album yeah it's fucking awesome I think with bands like that is if they had ended earlier I do think that people would treat them in that way they would give There'd them there'd be like their, a talk talk their legacy yeah but because they didn't, because they went on, and there's probably a couple of naff songs here, or yeah. or you know, an overblown tour there, and a bit of plastic surgery yeah. can, comes in, people start to denigrate what that person yeah. was or is or yeah. was capable of. But yeah, no, Dave Garn had just charisma, but there's pain there. He's obviously half of his pain is self-inflicted by the yeah. things, but but you know. I mean. And, and, and everything else aside, what a voice! I know, I know, like unbelievable, especially on that record as yeah. well. Because it definitely, as because they're moving further away during that record from the electronic sound, it's, yeah, it's more organic instruments. Uh, and that track's quite gospel, right? It's hugely, yeah. yeah. It's weird how much I like gospel, yeah, and, and the, people the, singing together. 
it's amazing, right? Oh my god! And 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 I get it's really sounds quite strange this, but when I hear like a choir on a commercial record mm. or or a gospel choir on on a commercial, it wells me up. Yeah, it yeah. does me. Like I don't know why. And the same if I hear crowd singing. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a strange thing, just that you not united kind of sand yeah. of, of people all with the same so, passion. It's a strange thing. Red like, Festival have moved where they do the silent disco. Okay. So last Red Festival, I'm lying in my bed, what midnight? Right. I'm getting an early night, and I can hear the silent because I'm uh, what five minute walk from the Red Festival right. site, and I can hear them. I can hear them singing, and. I've been in that tent. You know, yeah. I think they were doing it in the NME tent as well. Right. So that's like 10,000 people yeah. singing fucking Kesha. But it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it was even Kesha or Taylor Swift or Brilliant. one of them. But they were, it was just this thing of like, something about people singing together. This yeah. shared experience. And that yeah. comes back to the clubbing thing. It's yeah. a shared experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and I think maybe feeling like a disconnected kid. I've tried to find all the ways people connect. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, I'm one of those, I'm happy to be part of something, a community or whatever. Yeah. And I always find it fascinating. The, yeah. Not just the, the the need for people to connect, but how much people are willing to do to seek it out and, and how generous people are with their time. You know, I've talked about Pip a lot, but that's because we know each other. Of course. He's a shared experience. I don't spend my days talking about Pip, <laughs> missing him. Oh, you should see my bills, Pip. You should see him, mate. We should talk. Um, but uh, no, the, he called his first tour the kind of the relying on the sign kindness of strangers yeah. tour. And he slept on floors and yeah. in his van and stuff. But people supported that people yeah. were willing to and that's a stranger yeah but because you, you like what they do and you like their honesty of putting it out there yeah come keep yeah. on my floor I don't know I just find humans we get told a lot that everyone's an arsehole everyone's yeah. evil rah, you know the yeah but that's, it, that's, not, that's an easier sell isn't it that, that's oh, like, God, yeah. like you know. yeah like toxicity is far easier to sell yeah. but it's just for every one of those toxic little stories you hear, there's actually hundreds of yeah. moments of kindness. For every for every bad bit of press that uh, one of my door staff might ever get, mm. there's another twenty stories that no one ever talks about. Exactly. Of them carrying someone out and looking after them and dealing with something and helping them and, and getting them yeah. first aid and things like that. But that's not salacious. So Billy's wife Anne today. This is off way off track, but um, so she had her first kid. Her, her kid Aaron's like thirteen now. So this is. 12 years ago, she's uh-huh. carrying a child through an airport, and uh, she's from Thailand. This English guy stops her, and she doesn't know, she's a bit intimidated, like, scary English man stopping yeah. her, um, and she's holding a kid, and he points to her shoes, and her shoelaces are undone, but she's carrying her bags and all that, so he just kneels down <laughs> and does up her shoelaces for her, and she right. told me this story today, and it's like, but because of that one bit of kindness... She now believes that all English people are the kindest people on the planet. Yeah. They're grumpy, but they're kind. Yeah. And it's like, I'm listening and I'm like, no, that is an act of kindness. But at yeah. the same time, I'm like, we're arseholes though, aren't we? <laughs> like, but I didn't want to tell you that. Yeah, like, of course. I mean, you know. You've lived here a decade now and you still haven't found out we're arseholes. This is amazing. 
But she yeah, been no, to Gray's? Has she been to Gray's? Of course. Jesus. She's down. She's in Stanford. She's been to Lakeside. She's been everywhere. Because she must be a very positive person. Yeah, yeah. And always with the cakes. Back off. Back <laughs> off with the cakes, Anne. No, thank you. All right, Dan. Well, look, um, the last track um, I ask guess is um, it's obviously nothing necessarily to do with with, with the location. It's uh, it's just an opportunity for for you to recommend a track that you think a lot of our listeners mm. haven't heard before. So it's it's actually a few years old, um, and it's by a mate. Disclaimer: a, a girl who I've worked with as well, but um, Sarah Williams White. Sarah Williams White. Okay. Always. Uh, you might have heard of some stuff by her brother, Paul White, as well. He's kind of producer, singer-songwriter as well. Okay. But um, <coughs> she, I think she might have gone to Brit school, like Ella Nash and all that. Mm-hmm. But, so she's from London, so she's got that Brit school London yep. little touch to it. But mm-hmm. she, to me... Like, having toured with her, having had her on a record and stuff, just has the most gentle way and, like, lovely little vision of what a song is, what a lo- what love is, you know? Like, I don't know. I just... There's a bit of me that kind of wants to be able to see another person the way she sees who most of her songs are about what her perception she perceives her perception things. yeah because yeah. like there's just it's everything is quite deep yet cute there's a cheekiness to just a beautiful songwriting and she's hugely talented like plays every instrument like live she'll beatbox and loop and like one of those people I kind of want to kill yeah of course you know far too talented but um, just, I've chose always because it's the one that's the most in, uh, instantly gratifying. But literally anything she's written just is worth hearing, yeah. you know? I don't know what it is. Just some people have that way. Okay. And, well, and what, what have you done with it, Dan? So I did a solo mm. album 2011 yep. that no one bought. Uh, <laughs> just, just, just a reminder, guys. <laughs> No one bought it because it leaked like three months early yeah. and the label weren't willing to do it. I remember it. when all this happened. I was so grumpy. Just all I wanted them to do was just put it out. Yeah. It's leaked. Just put yeah. it out. Don't worry about the CDs. We yeah. don't need them. Don't worry about the vinyl. That said though, if no one heard it, <coughs> it probably would mean that if you went clubbing, you could stand on the side of the dance floor on your own and no one would bother you and you would exactly. be left on your own. Exactly. <laughs> Swings around about, mate. But um, yeah, no, it... Uh, she was on that. She did a track called "Play Along," and it um, just working with her, like how just willing to work she was at the same time as how interesting a take on what I'd asked for. So I, on that album, there's a few different female vocalists, and her and Emmy the Great yep. are both on there. And it was just really interesting how easy and interesting it was to work with one of them. You can guess which, and how sort of awkward and difficult it was with the other, because one was didn't have this personal brand, and the other did. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting, and it changed. It made me a better songwriter to have worked with that album as much as so. Space between the words, um, that album as much as it not didn't ever 
reach as many people as a Dan and Pip record did. Yeah. But it taught me so much. Like, without that record, the last Dan and Pip record doesn't exist. Yeah. You know, by a long shot. And it's funny because Space Between the Words is an insult a, a Scroobius Pip fan threw at me. Okay. Like, he came at me after a show and said, look, you, like, as good as you are, you're nothing. You're meaningless. You know, you're just the space between Pip's words. And I was like, I was angry for about 35 seconds and I was like, that's a good title. Though. <laughs> I really like that. So, whoever you are, if you're listening, fuck nah. off. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's a fucking mean thing to say. Yeah. Well, the people are mean, though, sometimes. Yeah. Most people aren't. Most but they must have come delightful. to one of your shows. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, he had bought merch. I'd seen him at more than one show. But why would you feel that urge? See, I, people blow my mind when it comes to things like this. That they will buy your records and they will come to your show, but at that moment when they get it, mm. they feel that it's going to do you, you know, it's either going to make them feel better just to tell you yeah. that you're, you're not really what you think you are. Oh, I've, I mean, that is, that's fucked up. I've, I've had, a, had a few, like, with that, like, uh, when I put, I put on a lot of weight while we were touring, all the brie, mm-hmm. to throw that back. <laughs> Not a problem anymore, mate. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, when we were touring, I put on a lot of weight those first few years, booze and all that. So, like, this girl came up to me after the show and uh, she was like, yeah, it was a really good show. You do look like Pip's uncle, though. It's just like, like, have you seen him? Have you seen him with his narrow eyes? Um, (laughs) Maybe that's why we get on. I've got narrow eyes. (laughs) But you know, I mean, people. I don't think she was trying to be mean. I think she was trying to be funny, or or like, or just didn't think that saying that you look like someone who's like two years younger than you, his uncle, could could hurt a little. But I think we. I don't know, the first time we got reviewed in something like the Camden Gazette or whatever, we we just smashed Scala. They oversold the tickets by like 200. It was fucking rammed. And there was our first real big headline in London. And uh, the reviewer, first, uh, Dennis Sack, uh, overweight, bald, balding producer from Essex, was like, <laughs> you cunt. You, you could have just said producer. Just producer. Just Dan. <laughs> you didn't... I'm, like, or you can put a bad photo of me and then yeah. just say producer. Like, yeah. that, that tells you. That's open more. to interpretation then. But like, overweight and balding. That's what you're opening with. <laughs> We've been in the pop charts, mate. But oh, yeah, people brilliant. just, I think people just don't always know how to engage. And it's, as much as you can dismiss that as that's just some dickhead with a pen, mm. it's still going to work, right? Oh, that's, that was the first time like, a review sort of stung. Even though it was a, a great review, you know, the actual review of the gig was that's, amazing. That's got fuck up doing the music, right? It's just personal. Yeah. But it's like, <clears throat> I saw a re- review of uh, Everything But The Girl mm-hmm. recently, and a recent one. It was Tracy Thorne, and he's talking about Tracy Thorne, and he, he keeps sort of mentioning that she's a wife and a mother. It's like, she is a wife and a mother, but you don't mention that, a, a male singer Ben Watts uh, uh, yeah. a, uh, a husband and a, a father husband, husband and a father yeah. you say producer or songwriter or whatever yeah. like why is it why is it relevant that, that she's a wife and a mother yeah. if it's not relevant that Ben Watts a husband and a father yeah. you know I, I, I do find it just but 
I suppose you've got to add a little spice to your I guess so, review. I guess so. I, I think they call it lazy journalism. Probably, probably. Right, so you have like some more stuff, so can I get a little bit more of that cherry, yeah, yeah, cherry yeah. cola drink? You cracked out the little cola as well, which is nice. Did I? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was downplaying the whipping, oh, right. you see. I was, you know, uh, and trying to hook you up with that little sponsorship. <laughs> Uh, apparently Lidl, uh, uh, my dad told me yesterday, uh, it might even be Aldi, um, won Whiskey of the Year. Their home brand uh, two whiskies. One was a 20-year-old aged one, which was oh. about 11 quid. One best whiskey in the, of the year. Wow. And their, their budget one, uh, again. I'm one, guessing uh, it'll be Aldi. Cause yeah, the I one think that it is are, Aldi. Actually, yeah. assume right. Lidl uh, were more like, yeah, we got milk, but we're not saying which animal it's from. <laughs> What I like about Aldi is that is what they call stuff, like because it's they just try and like, their Jack Daniels is called Western Gold, but like uh, which I think is just a genius name. Uh, but they always have like a kind of, especially with their sort of uh, sandwich box sort of biscuits. Yeah, they're all a very close play on like I don't know what the Twix is called or, or anything like, that, but they're all almost an anagram of Twix. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're pretty much near the end, Dan. Um, so, you don't live in Essex anymore. <coughs> you still live in Reading. Yeah, no. And uh, any kind of reason to come back to Essex now? Are you back today doing family stuff? This, uh, yeah, I've still got a little bit of family here, um, a little bit of family in Kent. So, I come this side of London mm-hmm. every now and again. I haven't for a while. But it is really odd. The last few times I've been back is for funerals. And then today he was delivering flowers to graves. So, you know, it's at the moment me and Essex aren't getting on. <laughs> Pretty summer times. Oh, you know. Mate, some of the gravestones blew my I didn't know you could have full colour printed. Oh what, photos and that now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like across the whole thing, Amazing. like not just a little photo. And then I saw a tweet about it and this guy's like, Yeah, yeah, I, my company do QR codes. So you can scan the grave Fuck off. and get a bio. But you can check in at a grave. I don't know, check, but you can, <laughs> you can find out who the dead guy is. He's like, oh, oh, he was a, a policeman, was he? But you know what I mean? You can get a little bio and a write-up on the dead dude. Do we need an interactive gravestone? No, no. <sighs> Let them... Um, but yeah, no, Essex, it's really funny because I've always, I did that thing. I left Essex... Not because I disliked Essex. Right, okay. That's disliked, kind of where I was going with it. Yeah, I left Essex because I disliked my situation. You know, this was, was that the little stuff, the stuff I mentioned about yeah. when I was little, that was now happening in my brain. That was coming out of my sure. brain. I was dealing with that. I was dealing with, you know, uh, well, I was questioning my sexuality at that time. I was just going through a lot of stuff. And I couldn't go through that stuff in front of my dad. Yeah. I couldn't go through that stuff in front of my mum. And um, I applied to unis, and I applied as far away as I could, mm-hmm. you know, like um, like Glasgow, everywhere, yeah. Walthamstow, not Wolverhampton yeah. and all that. I wanted to get away. Reading was just like, yeah, it looked like a good course, but yeah. last choice. And then my mum had a stroke. Right. So I was like, all right, I'm going to Reading. I can come back whenever sure. I need to. But it was definitely about wanting to get away from that, yeah. you know? But I think over a few years, it kind of morphed into me thinking that 
it was Essex that I didn't like. So, okay, so you, you was tagging them kind of issues and problems yeah. that you was going through to to a certain place. Yeah, like being, yeah. Being home with but you. it's really funny because today I had a bit, I was, because I had a bit of time, I had a mooch. I haven't had a mooch in ages. Yeah. But, you know, I mooched around Stanford for a bit and then Corringham and then bowled over um, up to One Tree Hill, Langdon mm-hmm. Hills, and then... Um, some of the graves were dotted around, so I've been Chadwell Weave today mm-hmm. to that grave for one lot. Chadwell St Mary. Chadwell St Mary. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but so just having a mooch, and it's like I forgot how pretty this bit of Essex is. Yeah. And like it started making me think about the train journey from like London to Southend. Mm. That journey is fascinating. Like we've got that big industrial built. You've got a city, then. Well, you go past Fords, didn't you? You go past Fords and it's industry and then, oh, Rolling Hills. Have some Rolling Hills, Essex. Yeah. There you go. And yeah, once you go past Hadley, you've got like, yeah. you know, a, a castle on a, on the top of a hill. I know. Like, oh, yeah. It's madness. But it's like actually a far nicer place than I, I realised, than I remembered. Actually, walking around Corringham, I found it fascinating that there's, there's there must be only 25 shops in Corringham yeah. Centre. At least ten of them are cafes. Yeah, <laughs> like just everyone's. I didn't. I've never really noticed it when I was a kid. But yeah. everyone's just like, yeah, let's have a let's have a fry up or whatever. Like cafe culture's like wasted on me. I've never ha- felt that urge to go and have a fry up or go and meet someone in a in a cafe for a cup of tea. Mm. It's just never been on my radar. I love it. Yeah, I don't know why. Just that, especially in the summer. Just especially if they got like the one little table outside yep. with the two seats. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, the, the, not the girl I'm with now, but the girl I was with before. The first six weeks, we weren't even dating. We were just meeting up for cups of tea at cafes. Yeah. And uh, it was something definitely, you could still smoke in cafes. Right, right. It was just something nice about... See, I'm picturing you smoking like a fucking cafe creme, having some really, <laughs> really elaborate coffee. Not having like a milky tea outside no, yeah, Spoons so in Corinham. Rolly, rolly. Right, oh, okay. And a builder's with the tea bag left in. <laughs> you know? Good, good. Not forgot your roots. I like that. All right, Dan, well, look, it's been lovely chatting. I've really enjoyed it. And, uh, and yeah, we... Uh, what, what are you doing now? What are you up to? So, I just do... Um, a lot of commissions. Okay. So I've just done a, a soundtrack for a game called Quarantine Circular, which is like a little story, two-hour, three-hour story experience. But it's really interesting because it's doing music to support a story. It's what I've done for yeah. the last ten yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I always was able to change my music to enhance that story. But now getting to do it for game stuff. Because you're... Uber nerd with that, aren't you? Pretty, pretty nerdy. Yeah. yeah. I play because I stream on Twitch as you well. You do the Twitch thing, Twitch. That's right? Yeah. I keep burping. Twitch.tv forward slash Dan Lassac. But yeah, so that is that's about community. That's yeah. me sitting there. I always play games, but now I get to sit with like 20, 30, 40 people and chat shit while I play games, and they, it's really interesting because like people from all over the world will be sitting there all having a conversation because I turned on the stream. Yeah. And it's rad. And like, there's a community forming around that stream, yet it's nothing to do with me. I'm just, I'm just there. Yeah. I, do, I find it really interesting. 
But so yeah, I still write and stuff, and I'm working on an album. My um, girlfriend challenged me. I was I was narky. I see I was, something on social media about being, this. I was being narky because I haven't got any commissions in for the summer. And she said it was a good thing because it's hot and nice and I should. And I like being all grumpy and oh, I should be working every moment of every day for the rest of my life. Uh, and she was like, all right, work then. Write a full album and by the time I come over. And I was like, how long is that? <laughs> 63 days. Fuck. Oh, yeah, I, I will. Can I do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, all right. I'll do it. I'll do it. I got it. So I've got half a track done. Right. Uh, I've got about 57 days to go. We've got this. <laughs> We got this. All oh, right, that's exciting, though. Yeah, no, and it'll be something I put out on like Bandcamp or whatever, mm-hmm. so it will still be free. I'd, all the music I've made since Dan and Pip's been mm-hmm. free, but you can pay what you want for it, like re- relying on the kindness of strangers yep. idea. But um, no, I just like I, I think people have always been a bit too. You got to buy my shit. Yeah, I, I never cared if someone stole me and Pip's music yeah. or whatever. I just liked it if they happened to buy a T-shirt on the way out of the gig that yeah. they paid for a ticket for. Yeah, of course. You know, I felt like that was a fair trade, you yeah. know? If you took it and didn't come to a gig, chances are we either didn't play in your town or you didn't like it enough to care. Yeah. <laughs> and that's fine. <laughs> that's I'm happy. Right. I'm happy with you taking that for nothing. But if you took it, loved it, then chances are we conned you into coming to a show and then Pip conned you into buying merch. <laughs> he literally stood on merch. He's good. He might as well have had his cock out. Just going, <laughs> look at this. Uh, buy one of them mugs while you're here. Brilliant. <laughs> that he was dangling his <laughs> That's how he used to display the mugs. He would just drop his sack in there. Teabag them. It would be like free, free salted tequila glasses, but nut sweat. That's Brilliant. probably a good point to end. <laughs> so, I mean, nut sweat's a great word to finish on. It is. It is. So, uh, Dan, thanks, mate. It was I've really, good, man. I've it was really good. enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, thanks, mate. Oh. There you have it. That's the end. I told you it was good. Didn't lie, did I? He's a top lad, isn't he? I knew you'd enjoy it. And he, we had a good old catch up, and he just chose some great records. And, and, and when. When when the guest does that, it it makes it so easy to to chat to them because they're infusing about the music and 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 if their songs you know that that you know as well that they shared stories, there's they shared love and memories, so it just means that the conversation flows so easily. Um, thanks loads for listening. Um, just if you haven't already, please subscribe because you know it's all for the. It's all for the greater good and, and, and you know, helps me out, you know, getting the, the interest in the podcast up and uh, because I want to do another series. I can't sound like Alan Partridge. Give me a second series. Um, yeah, so really appreciate it all. Go and follow us on the social medias. Uh, let us know what you like and what you don't like um, about the podcast. And I'll see you next week for another one. Enjoy. Have a lovely week. See you soon. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do 
and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.